yesterday we, we were in the middle of learning about this contradiction on uh, 59b. The contradiction had to do with the fact that at one point we said that women using a ring on Shabbos that has a seal in it, women, women do not wear rings that have seals in them, right? Generally speaking, a woman wears a ring that is purely ornamental and does not have a seal. A seal serves a completely different purpose. So if a woman is wearing a ring that has a seal on Shabbos and if she carries it outside, it will be carrying. To which we then brought another bracer that implies that a woman wearing a ring outside, even if it does have a seal on it, it's not considered to be carrying. So we said the two different prices are two different opinions. One Tana says that if we go after, if it, the seal material is made out of something that is able to be makabotoma, able to become ritually impure, then that's the material that, that, that is the material that defines the entire ring. So if we say that it's all about the seal, so then when it comes to Shabbos, we're also going to say it's all about the seal. And the fact that the woman walked out on Shabbos wearing a ring with a seal, it's going to be carrying. But if we say it's not about the seal and it's about the ring itself, so then the fact that it has seal is basically irrelevant to us. And we look at the ring as being an ornament, in which case it's permitted to go out with it on Shabbos. And depending on which opinion, that's going to help us figure out the two, the authors of the two uh, braces. Now, the Gemara is going to go through two other answers to explain the contradiction. Is a woman allowed to go out on Shabbos with a ring that has a seal in it or not? One vice seems to say yes, one vice seems to say no. So the Gemara says like this. Uh, fourth line, first word on the line. Rava Amr Litzadim Kitani. Rava says you have to understand this price as two different types of cases. In a case where a man is wearing a ring, then it's considered to be an ornament if it has a seal on it, right? But if it does not have a seal on it, it's not considered to be an ornament. Men don't wear rings that don't have seals on them, right? At least in those days. Women don't wear rings that have seals on them. So a ring that has a seal on it, it's an ornament of a man. A ring that does not have a seal on it is an ornament of a woman. So the Bryson that says no matter if it has a seal on it or not, it's an ornament. What the Bryson really meant is if it has a seal, it's an ornament for a man. If it doesn't have a seal, it's an ornament for a woman. Different answer. Toma Ashabis Karamas. You're asking a question from a Bryson talking about Hilchus Toma, the laws of impurity, to a Bryson talking about the laws, to a Mishnah talking about the laws of Shabbos. Toma when it comes to a question of is it able to accept ritual impurity, the question is, is it a vessel that has some sort of function? That's the only question. And it's a klihu, in which case, then we know what it is. A ring that has a seal on it, it has a function. If it does not have a seal on it, it does not have a function. When it comes to a question on Shabbos, it's not a question of does it have a function or not. It's a question of is this considered to be carrying, which is solely a question of is this an ornament or not? If it does not have a seal on it, then it is a tachshit. Then it's something which actually has a, an ornamental purpose. If it has a ring on, if it has a seal on it, then it is a master. Then it's something that you're carrying is it does not have an ornamental purpose. So the Bryson that's talking about Tumah, the only question is, does it have a seal on it? Then it has a functional purpose. The Bryson that's talking about Shabbos, it's not about functional purpose or not. It's about, is this serving a ornamental purpose? A completely different, completely different uh, criteria. And therefore, you can't ask for a stira contradiction from one to the other. Okay. Next part of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, a woman cannot go out on Shabbos with a I'm sorry, a woman, a woman could go out on Shabbos with a machach in and a With a needle that does not have a, um, a, an eye in the needle. Okay. What can you use a needle that doesn't have an eye in it for, right? A needle that has an eye, you can use it for sewing. A needle that does not have an eye, how can you use it? Amr of Yosef, Hail the Isha Egeres by Sa'ara. Basically, a woman would use it to, to collect her hair, to, to gather up her hair. Somehow or other, a woman would use this needle to like, make sure that all of her hair that was, you know, that was uncovered 
from her, her you know, whatever sort of hair carving they used in those days, some sort of a, a tichel, a mitbacha. So she would actually use this needle to actually gather the hair and put it back into place. So Abaya says it should be like a biris tahira. What's a biris tahira? Lamecha, is this a garis basaira? But having a biris, the Tanamas Nisan, biris tahira, mamata, the Yitzimba, he can mean it's other shaisa. Oh, okay, fine. So a biris tahira is like this. It's basically the woman would wear, um, you know, stockings, and the problem is the stockings would fall down. So they would have some sort of a, a, a strap that would actually tie the stocking tightly around the leg so it wouldn't be able to fall down. And you're allowed to wear that strap, even though the strap itself doesn't serve any purpose other than to make the thing not fall down. Still, you're allowed to wear that strap, right? So why are you not allowed to go out with this needle in your hair? So the reason why is because the, the purpose of this of this needle is actually here for a woman to actually to um to split her hair, right? She would actually split her hair into two. She would make the, the part in her hair through using this needle. Like that would be the way to make the part, right? Um so So what what purpose is this needle going to serve on Shabbos? And Shabbos you can't split your hair. Amarava tas shazav yeshla so it's actually some sort of a, a tashazav. It was a, a a needle that had a golden uh, something golden, and um, part of the needle was made out of gold. Okay, and therefore it was put on her head. During the week, she would use this needle to actually split her hair into two. The Shabbos manichasak padachta. On Shabbos, she would flip it around, and it would be some sort of ornament, some sort of gold, uh, you know, pin that was sticking, you know, down onto her head, and it would look pretty. So on Shabbos, it was an ornament. So the reason why she goes out with it on Shabbos is as an ornament. Okay, next Mishnah. Next Mishnah talks about men. What are men allowed to go out wearing? There's going to be a really fascinating Gemara because the Gemara is going to get into like the, the crux of some of the, the reasoning behind rabbinic enactments in general, right? So it's, a, it's an interesting Gemara and a pretty crucial Gemara to understand the mindset of Chazal when they make their enactments, when they make their decrees to protect against bad things happening. Okay. Mishnah starts up like this. A man cannot go out with a sandal, with a um, sandal that is made of a sumer, that has nails knocked into a sandal. And he's not permitted to go out with only one sandal on your foot if your other foot does not, I'm sorry, you're not permitted to go out with only one sandal on one foot and not on the other foot, unless when you're going out, your foot has some sort of wound on it. If your foot has a wound on it, then you're permitted to go out with a sandal on only that foot, to protect that foot from the wound. The Gemara is going to get into why you're not allowed to go out with this one sandal, why you're not allowed to go out with these the sandals that have nails in them. The filling, you're not allowed to go out with filling. The Leibet Kamea, and not with the amulet that we've been talking about in the past, the sort of um, amulet that people would put on uh, around their neck, and they would wear it, and it would have like names of Hashem on it, and it would protect them from harm. At times when that amulet was written by someone who's not an experienced amulet writer. In other words, if someone is an experienced amulet writer, then things change, right? In other words, if you know that this guy's amulets actually protect you from harm, then you're allowed to wear it on Shabbos. If you don't know the guy's amulets protect you from harm, you're not allowed to wear it on Shabbos. Exactly how the amulets work, we have no idea, right? But if it does work, it works. But Lloyd Basirian, Assyrian is a, a, um, a chain armor, right? You're wearing a, a suit of armor. You're not allowed to go with a suit of armor. Lloyd Kasta. Kasta is. A Kasta is. The Farish Rashi says the Gemara is going to explain what a Kasta is. 
magafayim, I remember what it was. Magafayim is like a, a guard that they would wear on their legs to protect them as an armor item. But if you do go out with these things, all these things, if you go out with them, you're not going to bring a carbon chatas. Why not? Because all these things are not really carrying anyways, right? They're not classic carrying. So therefore, you're not going to bring a carbon chatas. You're not going to have to bring a chatas, the offering for having done so. It's not a violation on a Torah level. It's a violation on a rabbinic level. The Gemara is going to get into exactly what the rabbinic decrees are in all these cases. But first, Rabbi, the, the, yeah. the, the arch girl calls a chatas a helmet. Chatas a helmet. Okay. Very good. And the fact that Rashi tells us that the Gemara is going to explain it, normally when Rashi says that, that means that the Gemara is going to have more than one answer. But we'll see. The arch will probably is going with whatever the Gemara's final answer is. But we'll see. So, but the, the, the Gemara now is going to spend the next almost uh, describing what the idea is of the sandal musumma. Why the sandal that has nails in it, why it's not a sandal that you're permitted to wear outside in Shabbos. Okay. Sandal musumma might time. Why did Chazal say, why did our sages teach us that you're not allowed to go outside with this sandal that has nails in it on Shabbos? Amr Shmuel, Shalfi Hagzera Hayu, Bahayu Nechbayin Bima'ara. There was, excuse me, there was a time when there was Xera. There was some sort of decree, right? Whether it was a decree, um, it was a decree that they couldn't learn Torah or some sort of decree, but people were hiding, Jewish people were hiding from some people who were going to be coming to get them. And they were hiding in the cave. And they made a rule. The rule was like this. If anybody wants to join in this cave, they can come join. But if somebody wants to come leave this cave, we don't want anyone leaving this cave. Why? Because if they leave this cave, they might get seen by someone. And if someone sees that they're leaving, they'll recognize there are people staying there and they'll come in and they'll kill all the rest of us. So we're willing to accept someone coming in because once they're coming in, it's too late. There's nothing to do anymore, right? And hopefully they did a good job making sure that no one was watching them and following them when they were traveling to come into this cave in the first place. But if someone goes out of this cave, they don't know. There might be people waiting and they'll notice them leaving and then they'll come in and kill the rest of us. That was the decree that they made. So what happened is somebody walked, walked into the cave and he was wearing a sandal, but the sandal was actually some sort of the sandals that they wore in those days, not the same sandals that we wear today. And the sandal was actually on backwards, okay? But he was still able to wear it. So he walked into the cave wearing the sandal, but the impression was that there were footsteps leading out of the cave. And what happened is, that since there looked like there were footsteps leading, leading out of the cave instead of leading into the cave, what happened is someone, and the, the people who hated us, the, the people who were coming to destroy us, saw that these footsteps were leading um, away from the cave. And therefore they came into the cave to come kill the Jews who were in the cave. They pushed against each other in their, in their uh, you know, trying to get out of the crowded uh, room as quickly as possible. And they killed more people in, in, their, in, their, uh, you know, in, their, in their haste to get out of the cave than the amount of people who were actually killed by their enemies. Okay? So what are we saying right now? What we're saying right now is that the reason why you're not allowed to wear a, a sandal with nails on Shabbos is because there was one time a story, and what happened was there were people in a cave with sandals, nails in them, and they killed each other when they were trying to get out of the cave. And therefore, there was a new decree, no wearing sandals with nails on chops, right? So it seems pretty absurd, and there's definitely one guy on this phone call who normally would ask the question. This seems like a little bit of a ridiculous decree. And the Gemara itself is going to get into exactly why this decree makes sense, and, and it gives us a mindset into the, uh, like a glimpse into the mindset of the sages. I mean, it feels like a correlation doesn't imply causation sort of problem. 
A hundred percent. The Gemara is bothered by that, but the Gemara is bothered even more than that. The obvious question is, why is this then restricted to Shabbos, right? If there's some sort of concern that this is going to happen again, then why don't you have the same concern during the weekday as well? Why is there some sort of decree only on Shabbos, not during the weekday? The Gemara is going to get into that. Rabbi Eloi ben Elazar, they were sitting in a cave. A little bit of a different version of the same story. They heard a voice outside the cave. They thought that the, their oppressors were coming to get them. They pushed against each other, and they killed and they killed more than the, the enemies would have killed. Okay, another version, but you know, un, un, unclear exactly what what the second version is really adding. It's just a little bit of a different. The same point that comes up. They basically were afraid of their of the people who were coming to kill them, and because they were wearing these sandals with nails on them, you know, some sort of a you know, um, the metal, heavy metal shoes, and when they were trying to get out, they actually killed each other. The Shomu called, another story is like this. They're sitting in the basic nest, they're sitting in Shol. The Shomu called, and they heard voices outside the Shol. They thought that the people who ate them were coming to get them. Third version of the same story. At that time, right, whichever version of the beginning of the story that you have, the end decree is always the same. At that time, Amru, they said, the sages said, the person should not go out with this sandal that has nails knocked into it. Mara asks, obvious question. It's supposed to be forbidden on the weekdays. Why specifically on Shabbos? And perhaps on Yom Kippur, as we're going to see. Mara says, this, this incident happened on Shabbos. Since it happened on Shabbos, therefore they decreed on Shabbos. So it's not really enough of an answer. Right? And Yaakov was bothered. What do you mean? So the, the causation, they decided that the causation is only going to be a causation of this, this type of incident occurs on Shabbos. Like, what, what, who, what's the connection at all? So this is a famous Gemara. And there's an answer. Right now, I can't remember who gives this answer. But a famous answer, one of the Rishonim explained that the, the, the problem over here is not that Chazal made this decree because they were afraid that the same thing would happen again. They made this decree because they, when people are going to wear it on Shabbos, it's going to remind them of that terribly sad story, right? And they didn't want people to be in that same state of mind again, right? So it's not that they're actually are doing this to protect people from killing each other by stepping on each other. That's not so realistic. That doesn't, it's not such a, a uh, it's a far-fetched fear. That's not exactly what the, what the concern is. It's more of a concern that we didn't want to, to get into the same mindset again. And by not committing on Shabbos, that would be a way to remember not to get into the same mindset again. The Gemara then asks, So if that's true that it was only on Shabbos, then on Yom Tov it should be permitted. The problem is that we know it's not permitted on Yom Tov. How do we know it's not permitted? We looked at a different Mishnah. This Mishnah is talking about sending presents to each other on Yom Tov, right? The halacha is that you're not allowed to give presents to each other on Shabbos or Yom Tov. And the reason is because you're not allowed to do Mekah You're not allowed to buy or sell things on Shabbos or Yom Tov. Why not? Because Chazal made a decree. If you buy or sell things, you might come to write things down. So they say you're not allowed to buy or sell. Included amongst that decree is you're not allowed to give presents to each other either, right? Now, there are certain presents that are permitted to be given on Shabbos or, or on Yom Tov. This Mishnah is talking about Yom Tov. So the Mishnah says you're allowed to give certain types of vessels to each other. Whether it is already sewn up, whether it is not sewn up, it's ready to be used. You're not permitted to give a sandal that has nails knocked into it on Yom Tif to a friend of yours. Why not? Because you can't wear it on Yom Tif. And a shoe that's not sewn up, you're also not permitted to give to your friend on Yom Tif. So what's going on over here? 
So we see that in Yom Tov, it's also not permitted to do this. Now, if the incident happened on Shabbos, and the reason why we're telling you you can't do it on Shabbos is because something is because we don't want to we don't want it to be similar to what happened in that original case. So then we should only have that on Shabbos. It should not be relevant on. It should not be relevant on um, on Yom Tov. Why are we concerned on Yom Tov at all? Why on Yom Tov can't you wear this sandal? Where it says Shabbos my time at Why on Shabbos do we say you can't do this? Because there's a kenufya. Because it's a day in which there's a gathering of people. Rashi explains there's a gathering of people in the Bata Kinesis, the Bata Midrash, there's a gathering of people in the shows and in the learning halls, right? It's similar to what happened in that original example where people gathered together on Shabbos or Yom Tif. Um, the Gemara says, well, on Tainas Tzibar also, everybody goes to show on Tainas Tzibar, right? On, on a public fast day, everybody goes to show to dive in together. Litzer, we should forbid it. We should forbid you to go to show wearing that. We should forbid you to wear on a fast day these sandals that have nails knocked into them. That event occurred on a day when there was a gathering, when it was forbidden to do malacha. Over here, it was a day that it was actually permitted to do malacha. Since it's permitted to do malacha, it's not similar enough, and we're not going to include it in the Zera. Ben Akiva, and even going to Kanina Ben Akiva, the Amar Loy Asur Ella Biyardin, it was Sfina Kamaisa Shahaya. Kanina Ben Akiva talks about a very interesting case also. This is a famous Machlekes Tanaim, like this. One time, there was a case in which they were traveling on a boat, and they were traveling on a boat, and on this boat, they had a container of Mechatas. Mechatas is the water that has ashes from the Paraduma. From the a burnt paraduma, a burnt red heifer. You use those ashes, they're very precious. There's only been 10 paradumas in the history of Klal Yisrael, the Mishnah tells us. And uh, according to some, the next paraduma is going to be an indication that Mashiach is on his way. According to others, the next paraduma is not an indication of anything. It's true we will need a paraduma for Mashiach, but it's not an indication that because there is a paraduma, therefore there's Mashiach coming. That, that there's no indication of. But either way, there was never that many paradumas. So ashes were very, very precious. Now, the rule is that you don't want those ashes to become ritually impure. What happened is one time they were on a boat traveling on the Arde, and that boat ended up having something, and they were traveling with some ashes on that boat in some sort of container, and the boat actually had something that was ritually impure, and it made the paraduma, the, the ashes of the paraduma, ritually impure too. So they made a decree, no more taking paraduma ashes onto a boat. So um, that was the first mandamar in that, the first uh, opinion in that Mishnah. But Rabbi Hanin ben Akiva said, no, the only, the only enactment was the only enactment was not to pass over water at all, but rather only to pass over the Jordan River on a boat. As the event actually occurred, that's where they made the same exact decree that you can't do that exact same thing again. But anything else would be permitted. So, Hanimili Yardin. But over there, Melchanina ben Akiva said only the Jordan River and nothing else. Well, right now what we're saying is that we're making a comparison to at least similar type cases. Although the, in the, the, uh, the impetus for this decree was in a cave on Chavez, we extended it to a cave, not, not just to a cave, we extended it to anything on Yom Tif as well. Why do we extend it? Why don't we keep it exactly the same? So the answer is that the Jordan River is something unique about the Jordan River. It's not similar to any other type of river. And therefore, we're not concerned that you're going to make a, you're going to think of that other type of incident when you're on a different type of river. Whereas when it comes to Shabbos or Yom Tif, there's, there's similar enough that you actually would start thinking of that same incident again. Um, Yom Tif and Shabbos are, are essentially very similar. It happens to be, interestingly enough, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Emor. Parsha's Emor begins talking about the Yom Tovim, right? In, in the, maybe in, in the 
B or, or one of the Parak Chav Gimel in Emor begins talking about the Yemen Paven. And it says, here are the Yemen Paven. And then it takes a break and talks about Shabbos in the middle of the Yemen Paven. And then it goes back to actually listing the Yemen Paven starting from Pesach. So we see Yom Tov and Shabbos are very similar. So if we have a reason to make a decree on Shabbos, we'll have a reason to make the same decree on Yom Tov, at least in this, in this, in this instance, right? Not everything is the same between Shabbos and Yom Tov, but for this type of decree, we're going to have it be, stay the same. What's the difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov? On Yom Tov, you're allowed to do things that are necessary for Eichel Nefesh, necessary for the purposes of eating something, right? And we know that it extends past Eichel Nefesh, it extends to anything that is a Dabra Shabbat Eichel Nefesh, anything that is a need for everybody, that is something that you're permitted to do on, on Yom Tov, even though you're not permitted to do on Shabbos. So, but other than that, they're essentially the same. So the similarity is so great that we'll say that it's something that's forbidden to wear these shoes on, on Shabbos, it's also forbidden to wear these shoes on Yom Tov. This whole decree is only true if the purpose of putting the nails into this sandal are to actually make the sandal stronger. But if they're here for the sake of decoration, right, to make it pretty, to beautify it, then mutter, then it is permitted to actually go about with these nails. The Kamalanai, because it's, it's this similar to the case of where they actually, uh, you know, trampled on each other. The Kamalanai, how many nails is necessary for beautification? Five nails in each of these sandals. Rebchanina says seven nails in each sandal. That's the amount that's necessary for beautification. More than that is already looking too similar to the case of the sandal that has nails in it, and therefore it's going to be forbidden. He says, how do you divide it? What do people do? They put two nails on each side of the, of the shoe, right? One, two on this side, two on that side, and then one in the middle where the tarsiosa, where like the leather is coming to meet, right? probably like where the, you know, that the part of the sandal that goes in between your toes. So that's where you have one more nail to, to attach that, probably something like that. So, um, let's see. One second. Who's not on? Oh, yeah. Slavic, you are not on mute. Busted. Um, three from here and three from here. Three, from, three on each side of the sandal, one in the middle where the straps meet. They have a sandal that's leaning, basically a sandal that it's not, um, it's not perfectly straight, right? You, you know, you wore down one half of the sandal. One side of the sandal got worn out earlier than the other side of the sandal. Then you can make seven nails into the sandal. That's the opinion of Rebbe. Rebbe permits even 13 nails. So the question is, Rebbe Yechanan says only five. But Reb Nassin is one, one Tana, he says seven. Rebbe says even 13. But Rebbe Yechanan and Amira says only five. Who does he hold like? Rebbe Yechanan cannot argue on the Mishnayas. Atun, Talmide Rabbechan. Efa tells Rabbi Rabbechana, you are the students of Rabbi Yechanan. Avidu ki Rabbi Yechanan, do like the opinion of Rabbi Yechanan. And now never ki Rabbi Chanina. We, who don't, are not students of Rabbi Yechanan, we don't have to go like Rabbi Chanina. We don't have to go like Rabbi Yechanan, who says only five. We are willing to even do 
seven, like the opinion of, of Hanina, right? Ravuna asked the question to Ravashi. Let's say you have five, are you permitted or not? He says, even seven are permitted. What about nine? Is nine permitted? Even eight would be forbidden. So seven and no more. The Allah is like Rav Hanina. So a, uh, a, um, a shoemaker, a cobbler, asked Rami, Let's say you start, it, you know, it's a sandal, but then you start attaching the leather, a piece of leather fabric on the inside of the sandal. What's the halacha then? He says, I know the halacha is mutter. I heard it from my teachers, it's mutter. At my time, I don't know the reason why it's mutter. Ravashi says, Do you not know the reason? Right, the sandal goes to Barabana, the minnow leg goes to Barabana. He says, once you put leather on the inside of the sandal, it's no longer in the category, no longer has the status of a sandal, it has the status of a shoe. It's the status of a shoe. That's not where the Chazal made their Xera. Chazal only made the decree specifically about wearing a shoe that has nails on it for the sake of strengthening the shoe. If it's a shoe that has nail, if it's a, a sandal that has nails on it for the sake of beautification, it's okay as long as there's less than fewer than a certain number of nails. If it is a um, a shoe, even if it started off as a sandal, but now you turned it. If, Basically, into a shoe, then it's okay. Let's say the the nail. So Rashi explains. Let's say the nail is not a typical nail. A typical nail in those days was like a um, a nail that had like a rounded top. But instead of having a rounded top, basically, what you did is you actually made it into a. Uh, they actually made it more into So basically it's kafufin. Basically you you um you bent it. So you took the top and instead of having one one like uh one head on the top, it was like bent over like an, into two kind of thing and knocked in. So is what's the halach about that? Is that permitted? I'm really much says that's permitted. It's not included in the whole takana. It's Ranami. A statement like this as well. If you make it like a kalbus, you, you have it bent over, it's permitted. Let's say you covered the entire bottom of the shoe with nails. Why? Because you didn't want the karka to echlasa. You didn't want the karka, the mud, to actually eat up the, the shoe. Right? How will eat it? Somehow or other, through putting these nails on it, I'm not sure, I guess the nails stick out. Since the nails stick out, they will keep your foot out of the mud. Then it's mutter, then it's permitted, because then it's clear that when you cover the whole bottom, that it's not similar to the case of the of the sandal that actually killed people. We learned in the Bible Negotiations. The summer person should not go out with a, a sandal that's nailed in. It shouldn't go from one house to another. You shouldn't even go from one bed to another bed with these shoes on on Shabbos. However, you're permitted to carry it. It's not mukta. Why? Because you can take it to cover up a vessel that you don't want to get destroyed and to use it to support the um, the, the sides of a bed. But those of our Shimon Oyser, those of our Shimon says it's not even permitted to use it in that in that fashion either. Nishru may roiv masmeroisa v'neshtayer by dalade hey mutter. If most of the nails have fallen out of it and there's left in it still four or five, it's permitted. Rebbe matter at shabbat. Rebbe says it's permitted until even seven nails are left behind. It's still permitted. Chifayu ba'ar malmata v'kavale masmeris malmaila. Let's say you put the leather on the bottom. And then you actually nailed it in from the top. So the, the top of the nail is actually on top of the sandal as opposed to on the bottom of the sandal. Mutter is permitted. If you make it like the bent over um, nail, or is some sort of um, 
instead of being rounded on top, it's like flat and and narrow on top. Um, or yasid, yasid is like a, is like um, the, it's sharp on top. Instead of being like round and flat on top, rounded and and um, it's actually yasid is normally a, a stake, basically like a like a tent stake. So it's basically top, it's sharp on top also. So yasid would be a bit sharp on top as well. In all these cases, or if you cover the entire bottom of nails, so that the land does not eat you up, the ground does not eat you up, it's permitted. And now the is going to ask a question. We said that if the if most of it is missing, if, if as long as the majority of the nails have fallen out, even if many are left over. But then afterwards we said that if there's only four or five left, then it's permitted, but more than that is not permitted. The implication in the beginning of the price is that as long as the majority of the original nails fell out, it's permitted, even if there's still many nails left. But now the implication at the end is that unless there's only four or five left, it's not permitted. Which one is it? In the case where it's permitted, the case is like this. The nails are still here, but the part of it that was sticking out got worn down. So you see that there's many, many, many nails that were attached to this sandal, but they're worn down now. So it's already changed in its original status. It's not included in the original decree. But in the case where the nails actually fell out, then um, since you can't tell that there were actually nails here before, so then until there's actually get down to the exact number that's ever permitted, which is four or five, it is not going to be permitted to walk around with these sandals. So the next Gemara tells us, um, the Gemara is analyzing further this question. The, the, it said that four or five is permitted. If you're telling me that even five is permitted, why do you need to tell me that four is permitted? Well, obviously, if five is permitted, then four is permitted. It's actually two different cases. Four are permitted if you have a small sandal, then only four, only up to four remaining are permitted. But if it's a big sandal, then up to five remaining are permitted. Um, okay, Rebbe Matar Ad Sheba, and Rebbe prints until seven. About Tanya, Rebbe Matar Ad Shalish Another Bryce says that Rebbe permits until there's actually 13 remaining, not until there's only seven remaining. The case over there is where it was night, where it was not, it was the sandal that was worn down on one half of it. So it's a sandal that's worn down on one half of it, and you knock a lot of nails in on the side where it's worn down to sort of even it out so you're not stepping in a, in a limp fashion. So then it's permitted to put in more nails, but otherwise it's not permitted to put in more nails. So now we're differentiating is that the entire Xera is not going to apply in a case where you're putting nails in to level off the sandal. Once you're saying that the entire Xera doesn't apply if you're putting it in to level off the sandal. According to Rabbi Yechanan, also it's not going to be a question. Earlier we asked on Rabbi Yechanan from this very case, and we said that no, not a question on Rabbi Yechanan from the case of the nail nails in a sandal that's leaning, because we said there's one other Tana who holds like Rabbi Yechanan. Now we're saying that this whole Bryce is basically a completely different topic. It's talking about specifically a, a sandal that's actually, half of it is, uh, you know, it, it's anyways uneven, and that's why you're permitted to put in the nail. Once we're saying it's a very un- atypical case, then even Rabbi Yechanan could agree to that idea. Rabbi Yechanan was only talking about a typical sandal when he said his specific limitation of max five. So, one individual against the Rabbim, against the many. The Allah is that we go with the Rabbim. We always go with the majority. So why would you think that Allah is like Elizabeth Rabbim Shimon? Then you need to say it's not like him. What might I have to say? The, the reason behind the Rav Shimon makes a lot of sense. And therefore, maybe the Halacha follows his opinion. 
in this. Therefore, we see, therefore, we need to actually say that Allah is not like Rabbi If not for the fact that they would call me the person who came from Babel, who is very permissive and permits things that are forbidden, I would permit many, many nails. And up to how many nails would he permit? Amrin, Esrin, Ma'arba. And from Badisa, they would say 24 nails he would permit. But Surah Amrin, Esrin, Tartan, and Surah, they would say 22 nails he'll permit. Amr of Nachum, Yitzchak, Nachum, Yitzchak says, Simonich, Ada, Asrin, from Badisa, the Surah, Chaser, Tarti. And the, the way to remember which one said which is to say that from the time that you came from Pumbadisa to Surah, you have lost two. So Pumbadisa said 24, Surah said 22 nails. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what the, the Matthias is so well. I, I don't think we have this Matthias today. In case anybody was getting nervous about their sandals that they wear on Shabbos, I, I don't think we actually have sandals with nails in the way that they had in those days that, that we should be concerned at all. Okay. Um, 